The Thrive Global Podcast is a production of Thrive Global and iHeartRadio. Alana oh. would just be like making scarves the whole time we're, we're writing. It helped me not... Little baby scarves all over the room. Yeah, dog <laughs> scarves. Well, I'm pretty bad dinner, so I just knit scarves for dogs. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ariana Huffington and welcome to the Thrive Global Podcast. Each week, we are having candid conversations with top business leaders, celebrities, athletes, and influencers to explore how they go from surviving to thriving, and how you can too. If you are one of the handful of people who haven't seen Broad City, which ended at the end of March on Comedy Central, go watch it on Hulu on Comedy Central On Demand, or just go buy it. It's totally worth it. The show is about two single 20-something best friends who hilariously navigate their lives in New York City and brilliantly weave in commentary about the cultural zeitgeist. Real-life friends and co-stars Ilana Glazer and Abby Jacobson, who met while performing at the Upright Citizens Brigade over a decade ago, launched Broad City as a YouTube show and with the help of Amy Peller, found a home at Comedy Central for five years. Like all cultural trends, the show became a cult favorite, first with clued in millennials. It quickly became one of those shows that both mirrored its cultural moment and defined it. Abby and Ilana have been working non-stop. Well, I hope not actually non-stop. We'll talk about that later. But they are certainly incredibly productive, writing books, appearing in movies, performing in many live events. And I'm so excited to have them here today to talk about creativity, satire, and how burnout is affecting their generation and how they are hopefully recharging before their next big endeavors. Welcome, Abby and Ilana. Thank you so much for yeah, having us. Really, I'm just watching. I was like, having, Ariana, it was like such oh. a pleasure watching you read that. <laughs> Me too. That was really pleasurable. <laughs> That's Can you do a good Ariana accent? Do you? Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> do, how you feel about I uh, love it. Nassim Pedras. I love it. I you love, love it. it. Oh, I on love my, it. On my do birthday, I, I Instagrammed her <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing an Ariana. Uh, I'll um, I'll send you the link. Um, no, I love it. I I spent a lot of time, many many years, feeling bad about my accent, trying to change it, and then at some point I just totally kind of relaxed about it. Mm-hmm. Henry Kissinger actually said to me, "You can never overestimate the advantages of complete and total incomprehensibility in American public <laughs> life." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When did you stop worrying about it? Like, how old were you? What I was, was old. You know, I'm 69. Wow. So you look so yeah. young. Really? Wow. <laughs> you look young, Eight girl. Eight hours sleep, girls. Wow. You don't sleep? Eight hours. Eight hours. Eight hours. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Eight hours sleep. I That's believe that. key. But I, I did things late. You know, I launched Half Post at 55. I wow. launched uh, Thrive at 66. Wow. We're not here to talk about me. <laughs> so let's talk a little about the show, which has become such a sort of um, beloved cult offering. It's been going on for 10 years, you know, if you include the time that you did it on YouTube. How did the show affect your own launch into adulthood? Because mm-hmm. so much of it is about the characters launch into adulthood. And then I've read you often talk about 
how confusing it was sometimes that the fans thought you were actually the characters on Broad City. I'm like so taken aback and grateful that Ariana's like considering it 10 years because we always say that, especially lately when people are like, I'm so sad to see it end. We're like, you don't understand. We've been like creating this alternate reality for ourselves for 10 years. So thank you so much for including that time because the TV show wouldn't have happened without the web series. And it's... It started in 2009, so I appreciate that. I think in terms of us, you know, figuring out, you know, our personal growth while simultaneously figuring out the other Abby and Alana's, it gave us in a time where we were very just, I think both of us were just trying to figure out like a foothold into the industry and whether that was us going to be, we were going to be writers or actors or just like couldn't find that opportunity. You know, we had done improv for two years before we started the web series together. But once we clicked into that, it gave us such a purpose. In the web series. In the web series. It was like it clicked. Right away. And we were like, this dynamic makes sense. We are running full speed with this. (laughs) And then Alana was still doing stand-up. I was doing more character stuff. And all of that was still important to us, our separate voices, but like it didn't matter necessarily as much if we weren't getting all this success with those things because this was, it was just like working. And there was also like finally an orientation where stand-up, improv, sketch characters supporting the main thing, which was Broad City. It sort of organized things in, for me, like my brain and spirit where I was like, like I am going somewhere in a direction. I'm not just circling myself. I, I, There is a direction here. And how it felt becoming adults while we were writing about it, we were like so catapulted into adulthood. You know, we were the showrunners, writers, creators, stars in the edit. I Everything. mean, just 10, 10 months a year was um, all day, every day Broad City for six years to make five seasons. You know, whatever the budget was, whatever, a million bucks an episode. I mean, we were just in charge in of a, a lot of, like, in, yeah. I mean, it was like eight or something, 800,000 for like in the beginning and then a million, 1.2 maybe. And we were in charge of all that money, you know, um, in charge of like hiring the people and and allocating that and, and making those decisions. And it was so, it was also like the show is about best friendship, but partnership to, to learn about partnership this way was so, um, I can't imagine my, entire life like with you know it's it's like we're in our 30s and we did it for 10 years it's like a third of our lives I can't it it made us the women it made us grow from girls to women (laughs) really and also strengthened your friendship which is in itself incredibly hard and interesting because you were engaged with each other every day um, did you fight? Was there a kind of a low moment when uh, things were really hard? I find us to be like stereotypical dudes where we didn't really like hash it out. We never got into like big fights. I think we met in the middle so much creatively like and found that that was where the creative voice was that um, not like arguing, but we were always like not just agreeing yeah, I love that. It was like, well, more like this. Okay, yeah, more like this. And so it's like we were constantly not just blindly agreeing. Yeah, because we have two separate voices. We make Broad City along with a lot of other people, but it's, you know, based on our two voices, finding that middle ground. And so it is this compromise until we both find the thing that is right. 
never had like a big fight. I think obviously like any friendship, like, you have different periods where you like hang out all the time and then you don't. And then but and just, we've had stuff, but we usually just, there wasn't, and we've gotten better at talking about it. If there wasn't there is like a thing. room to fight really. Um, and there, also like as women and young women with this opportunity, like we can't fuck this up and we yeah. can't be um, seen as immature. Like there just was no room. It's, it would be a privilege to but fight. But sometimes we women especially have a hard time expressing and I know here at Thrive, our number one cultural value is what we call compassionate directness. And we encourage people to just disagree and say to somebody, you know, you hurt my feelings or I'm resenting that. Because we find that when you express it, it's so much easier to transcend it. Yeah, I'm really weak in that area. A strength of mine is like flexibility and adaptivity. But I think I like went so far in that direction in Broad City because we just had so much responsibility on our shoulders. And I'm not like that either. But I think both of us like, yeah, I I love that because the more it's practicing that yes, is what like makes it not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't always have to be an issue if it's like, that hurt my feelings. Yes. If you never do it, then it's an issue. But I agree with what Alana was saying. It was like, I think our friendship became stronger because we had to navigate so many other people, we often had to like band together to figure out how to operate within this much larger yes. team. Just like I mean, be any land against the world. That's and not right. that we were always that's against, right. but it was sort of like, how do we deal with this thing that we've never done before? How do we negotiate this? How do we and like this fire somebody? You know, like there's a lot before. of things that you know what I mean? we kind of couldn't not be on the same page. You know, we often um, talk about successes and don't mention the failures along the way. And I always like to talk a lot about my failures along the way because often, uh, you know, especially a lot of the young women who admire you may look at you and say, oh, look at them. They're so incredibly successful. So I wonder if there are any mini failures along the way to all the success. Well, the first thing, it was funny to hear you say, uh, that we met performing at Upright Citizens Brigade because I was like laughing to myself because we like could not get on a team there. We were like paying, you know, money for classes, paying money to yeah. see shows, paying for practice groups, paying for coaches just to learn this skill and also like get this networking opportunity with the what was the alt scene at the time, which is now like the mainstream comedy scene. But that was one thing. I mean, it was really male oriented and like wannabe Harvard lampoon or something. Yeah, we and we, we didn't both fit there. Love UCB cuz we met so many people through it and we both have performed there. But it was only once we created Broad City that mm. we ever performed together at UCB and part of our story did get tied to UCB because but did Amy you actually owns meet it there. No. We actually made Broad City because we could not get on teams at UCB. Mm. So it was so like- So how did you meet? We had both been taking classes separately there. At UCB. So at you UCB. met there, but not performing. We never took a class together. We kind of met like once you're in this community, you yes. form practice groups. Right. So we met in this like where Eagles Dare. Where Eagles Dare, 36th and 9th Ave. <laughs> yeah. Like some, this, this like rehearsal scary. space champions. Literally like a terrifying, dangerous <laughs> like rehearsal space where you could, it feels like you could rent a room to kill somebody in. You could rent a room. By the hour. By the hour. 
could definitely. And yeah. it was full of improv Not teams and like people rehearsing for an audition or something. And <laughs> that's what all the kids we kind of met doing this did at night. And so it was through UCB, I but was, like we made the show because we couldn't perform at UCB. <laughs> so it's like a different, yeah, we made it because of failure. Basically. Another failure we had was um, that FX passed on us. We first sold our show to FX and developed a script with them for a year and then they passed, which makes sense. Like their content is so male. It doesn't really that. have. Room. It reminds me of the letter from NBC that Larry David has in his powder room at his home in LA that turns down Seinfeld because it's a show about nothing. Mm. <laughs> I, I didn't love know that. that. From NBC too. It's like, okay. And then, we'll you know, and then they, they did it, right? They did it, yes, right. because something else fell off the program. <laughs> So, you know, back in 2007, when you were two years old, uh, Christopher, <laughs> uh, Christopher Hitchens wrote a very controversial piece in Vanity Fair entitled, Why Women Aren't Funny. So I know you May must have been extremely precautious. <laughs> you must have been extremely precautious two-year-old. So what would you have responded? Oh, I remember gosh. that. <laughs> I had just moved to New York and started to do comedy. I wasn't probably as insulted as I am now because <laughs> I wasn't like confident in myself, not just as a person doing comedy yet. Can I curse? Yeah. It's bullshit. It's, it's complete bullshit. I don't even, I try not to even give it energy. Me too. I'm like getting so revved up inside and I'm like, what would I, I say to this person? <laughs> I'm like, not going to rag on him for being deceased, but I am going to say that I have like really mean things to say. I would say that he probably has never um, satisfied a woman sexually if he thinks that they're not people, <laughs> like full yeah. people, which you don't think if you think that someone can't be funny because of the genitals that they have. It's also just not true. It's just a thing that can be so proven to Untrue. be false. And I think it's like also a, a privileged white male wouldn't think women are funny because I find people who are in oppressed situations, I find comedy that comes from oppressed people mm -hmm. or even just an oppressed point of view. It, it can be a white guy who has an oppressed point of view. I just find that so much funnier. I'm like, Christopher Higgins isn't funny. Hitchens. Hitchens. Christopher, <laughs> Higgins. Christopher Higgins isn't funny. And Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Also, I'll tell you, I never read Higgins. <laughs> I'll also tell you, I never read the article. You know what I mean? No, I read the headline I, I and it. I'm just like, oh, I fuck you. I gotta say it's also, Hitchens. it is like, I'm gonna curse so much on this. I'm sorry. It is like fucking because I'm like, we're over 10 years later and we're still talking about his article. Like, we constantly have to, like, fight that he's wrong. Well, Who not is anymore, he? Like, really. I think that, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing is to not, the most, not the best thing, the most. Daniel Higgins, get out of here. Disrespectful <laughs> thing is to not know his fucking name. So fuck Christopher Higgins. <laughs> but what is actually fascinating is that nobody would dare write that article now. So it's almost like a celebration of what happened. Uh, but someone like him would maybe still think it was true and not write but it, not which write is a it. shame. But it's also like, yeah, he was sacrificing himself as the emblem of the last gasp of the patriarchy, which well, I know insanity is ensuing right now, but I do feel like it's crumbling and he just marked his 
place in that. I haven't really read a ton of his stuff, but his other work is <laughs> highly respected. This well, he is, also right? did uh, say that Mother Teresa was a whore. So there are a few other controversial okay. things. All right, so, but enough, enough. Christopher Higgins. <laughs> enough. I think a good transition would be to the improv world <laughs> because you mentioned it a few times, and I wonder whether being able to do improv actually helps you in other parts of life, like relationships, any kind of negotiation. Does it help you? I think it does. I really don't like improv. I don't enjoy performing it, but I do remember it as being something so good for my like soul and spirit. It just makes you think about someone else's point of view. Mm -hmm. But I would say that my experience with Broad City has like set me up for my partnership with my husband, my partner. That's amazing. Tell us about it. Oh my gosh, because this was like the most successful partnership with Abby I've ever heard of. And honestly, like before you were talking about, we've never done this before. I'm like, it's never been done before. Like Larry David did it first. Like no two young women have done this and especially not web to TV. And it's like, it was really scary. We felt that stress in our bodies to just like look in Abby's eyes and be like, okay, we're going to figure it out because we have to. And we were constantly making compromises and defining our reality. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Crest 3D White. And we are back with the Thrive Global podcast. Let's rejoin the conversation. That was another thing I was just thinking as you're talking about, like, how we had to deal with so many different people. You know, the writers, the director, the production company, the network. You know, I see now with my partner, David, like, we just talk about building a lot and growing. And that's, like, I think why I was set up to find a growth-centric romantic relationship because I had such a growth-centric primary relationship mm. with Abby for so long. We're both so into individual growth, so into each other's growth. And um, building, that's what I see, like, friendships and all relationships for me, like successful relationships as. And we had 10 solid, steady years of building something that was really successful. And honestly, we do everything so, we've done everything right. We didn't fuck anybody. We didn't fuck anybody over. We treated everyone with respect, you know, and really appreciated the collaboration that we got and contributions from others and recognized them as best we could. We're not perfect, but I'm like, we did the we best tried. job that we could. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, with, yeah. a really and good job. All those things that, she, that Alana said are sort of like the tent poles. Yeah, that's the one. Mm -hmm. Tent poles of improv, which are building. That's what you're doing with your yes. scene partner. You're taking what they're giving you and you're adding. Mm -hmm. And so I think just using that muscle and training for three or four years, which is what how long we did improv, I think, that muscle is trusting your scene partner is yes anding, mm -hmm. is using the top of your intelligence. So all of a sudden we're put into all these different roles and truly just have to like embrace them and use the top of our intelligence, trust the other people we're collaborating with. And that's you all know, the like temples. In addition, <laughs> all the temples. in addition to improv, I have to say, like I've always been a comedy nerd. And like I always was like secretly in my head, even if I didn't say it out loud, I was like, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to be a comedian. I love comedy so much. I just can't picture my life without it. It is so vulnerable to like get on stage and talk about yourself. And everybody wants to do it. And everyone is funny and has the capacity to be funny, you know, but like to select yourself and be like, I think I got something to say. At least I'm going to try. I just, 
I fucking love comedy so fucking much. And like the fact that people come and aren't comedians but want to just support getting together, you know, physically getting together, there's nothing like it. You know, like posting like from home is so different than physically going out and being vulnerable with people. Like I just fucking love comedy so And I do too. It's absolutely amazing. And I love the way you can uh, use comedy and satire to talk about the most important and serious things going on, but somehow have people, even who normally might disagree with you, kind of let their defenses down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see it another way. But what you brought up now is something new, which is using improv to help you with relationships. I love that. That We should do like a a course, an Mm. improv course that then you can use in relationships. I mean, I think maybe, I don't know if it was improv that inspired like that sort of, maybe Alana can recall that time maybe clearer than I can, but I decided to go pretty quickly. On the road trip. And like sold the book very quickly and was like, I'm doing this now. And now like, so that kind of thing, I kind of do feel like is a little bit of like life improv where I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going, this is the plan. And I had no idea. I was like, this is the book, guys. I don't know what's going to happen on the road trip. Please buy it. And it worked out. But it was going to be a trip that I had no idea what was going to happen. And improv is comedy and performing comedy is so vulnerable, especially when it's personal, which I think the best comedy is. But improvising is like you're separate on stage with nothing. And so when you're doing that in life, it's the same feeling where you're like, what am I doing. And you know what also, because you <laughs> said I could recall for you if I wanted. Mm-hmm. One thing is like, first of all, we were like making Broad City. So I think it was a helpful art is therapy. And specifically with the book, just kind of back to like the growth thing, how badass it is to build a box to put stuff in basically. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't mean to keep like taking it off of improv, but just kind of comedy, art, our art slash business. It's just cool that you could think of that to create that box and then fill it. I just saw it as therapeutic, all parts of it. It was, and that's, Alana just recorded our stand-up special that will air like later this year, but it's the same thing of, it's not about you dealing with the heartache, but it's you dealing with issues you were frustrated with or wanted to share. And that's what this is, is just, I think, especially with Broad City, we didn't know that that's what it was going to be over and over again. But now I think every project we do, it is creating a new box to be Mm -hmm. like, I want to share myself and explore this thing. And the way that we are artists is being vulnerable with ourselves. And so I I was like, this is how I'm going to deal with it. Right. This is like the only way. you did it very quickly, right? I did it really quickly. Like after the breakup, you left shortly after on the road trip, right? And then I wrote it in the year after that, which like, I think that is kind of normal, but we were also making Broad City. But on top of the full-time job of being a showrunner writer. Yeah. yeah. It was a little manic, but it was like a very productive way of dealing with it. You know, when I first started comedy, I was like, oh, comedy. It was so, it was a different world. And like New York was whatever. It was like 14 years ago. New York was like dirtier. New York has gotten like sanitized over the years as a lot of cities have. But I've really learned, we were just talking about Abby's podcast with MoMA. Abby went to art school. I really learned from Abby about 
art and like the consciousness, like calling ourselves artists. Like at first, I I said that because Alana has been telling me recently that she, I've like stepped into this like title more artist. Yeah. 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 Because it's an important job in society. There's activists, there's politicians, and artists also contribute to the flow of culture. Just what you're describing with the book, it's it's just so therapeutic. And then you are able to share that vulnerable experience with people to give them a guide, kind of. Someone who is inspired to go on a road trip after a heartbreak has this book. Like, you know, that's a great and suggestion. It was ter- I mean, it's called I Might Regret This, so I was obviously very terrified to put it out into the world. But I also started, we were doing season four. And during mm-hmm. that time, I started to think about how, wow, this is unbelievable. Somehow this is what we do. We are truly telling amplified stories about ourselves for Broad City. And this is our job to share ourselves. So if that's my job, then this very, very important moment when I was going through that time is part of it. I'm going to share this in this other way. And I feel like that is kind of what people pay us to do which is bizarre, but awesome. (laughs) But it's also like, if you're going to do it, you got to really do it. And I think that we're in a time right now where comedians and other artists are focusing more emotionally. Like it is becoming more vulnerable. I just had a conversation with Nick Kroll. We were talking about Big Mouth. It's so good, his show. And he was saying how, and he was about his stand-up tour. And he was talking about how all of a sudden now he really wants to focus on sharing more of himself with his, in his comedy. And I think our generation of comedians is sort of doing that. I'm laughing just, I'm starting mm-hmm. to laugh just at Nick Kroll. No, but for <laughs> Nick, so it is like, that show is very vulnerable under And you know the parts you know? that are about him from his real life. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the stuff that I gravitate mm-hmm. toward. It's such and, a privilege to have a platform, you know, and like, you got to honor it while you can. But also, did you find that it was cathartic for you? I mean, do you feel that... You got through the heartbreak faster? No, did not because I had to write a book about it. The book writing process probably kept me in there a little longer. But then you had to edit it. I was like, I'm writing this book. And then you had to read the guys. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, this is prolonging this story. Write the acknowledgement. I'm like, it's coming (laughs) out again in September, guys. Who knows? It could have been burning there without the book. Totally. You know, you had like a box to put it in. It didn't make it go away faster, but I definitely, I'm so happy I wrote that book. It forced me to learn about myself. And the feedback that I've gotten has been incredible of of people reading it and like feeling very seen. Did you hear from the ex? No. Amazing. As I was reading the book, I was thinking, I wonder if she heard from her. No. (laughs) You would think. You would think. That's another story. (laughs) That's my next book. You would think. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the way you're describing your lives through everything that happened, how hard you were working, how constantly on you had to be. How did you deal with stress and burnout? Um, Mm. How was it? What what were the low points? Were you getting enough sleep? I wish I had dealt with it through meditation and working out, but I think I probably smoked too much weed 
alcohol. Honestly, how did I deal with it? I would like drink and be like, good night. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'd smoke and be like, I'm an idiot now. You know what I mean? Like working more, doing more comedy, like outside. Honestly, I smoked cigarettes. But that was so stairwell of the first season. I was like smoking cigarettes like a nutball in the stairwell. I was just, I was. So basically, there was so much stress. Yeah. And you are finding all these not entirely healthy ways to deal with it. I personally, and maybe I think Alana is better at balancing her life. Really? That's you just heard the woman smoking in the stairwell. No, no, no. That was was like a specific um, situation. You must love her a lot. (laughs) No, no. But as you know, she's very good at balancing like life experience and being a workaholic. I think than I am, but I don't know. And maybe I'm speaking not correct about you, but I don't feel like I've figured that out yet. Honestly, I really don't either. Like you're like, what was it like when you were really stressed? And I'm like, well, uh, it's like right now I haven't found it yet. And I know what all the things are. I know I need to sleep more. I know I need to get off screens. I know I need to meditate the only thing that seems to get me going is new projects. Yeah, I really... We, we are... Alana helps me be less stressful because she's the same. And how do you yes, deal... But how right. do you deal with stress? I don't know. I go to therapy. Good. Love therapy. That's like some... Like, I don't know. I feel I work like you out. think I have a better life balance because I have a partner. But then he and I are just developing his business all the time. I'm like, I No, I but you to, just like really made a point of going on vacation. I really like vacation. It really helps to see friends. Yeah. Therapy Mm -hmm. rules. Seeing my parents like helps. You know what I mean? Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Crest 3D White. And we are back with the Thrive Global podcast. Let's rejoin the conversation. And what is your partner's business? He is so cool. He's an entrepreneur and has a biotech startup. He's a scientist, a computational biologist via molecular modeling. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. We we built Mm -hmm. his business based off a web series to TV model of business (laughs) because that's all the business experience we had. And honestly, like – I'm just all about like bragging now that Broad City's over. I'm like, okay, y'all, here's the real deal. We genius. I'm seriously like so about <laughs> bragging, but I'm like, we're such good business people, Abby and I. We've learned a lot and we've experienced a lot and we like talk it out. David, he just had this great body of work based off me and Abby. And we and, keep well, doing individual also is projects a too. Genius. I can't even try to explain what it is, but he has this thing he's been working on forever that could revolutionize a whole industry. He yeah. developed a platform that measures protein surfaces, which is where drugs dock mm-hmm. to work. It could be applied to any drug. Right. So it could have a huge difference in how the impact that drugs have. Once and consumed. that's like right. timing or what? Yeah, it maximizes the measuring the, the topography of proteins. That Abby sounds and- funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny when Alana, just like, because people are like, what? I'm really good at the layman's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. Yes, you are. But, um, yeah. Yeah. We just had such a clear, obvious, like, climb, Abby and I, that it was actually easy to apply, if you can believe it, to this company that's 
a totally different. That's incredible. You um, must write business. about that. I love it. Yeah. I oh, write about it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I you're good. We good would idea. love that because we have a lot of entrepreneurs writing on Thrive, and that's so interesting to use. Wow. To use the skill set of a successful comedy show to build a molecular biology. <laughs> yes, well, it just is all applicable. Like all the things we did, it seems like the basis of any growing business is sort of the same. Similar has the same temples yeah. because it's always temples. about people business. It's just about relationships. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like developing a production company based off of a biotech startup. Because now I'm like investor. You know what I mean? I have all this education from him now to like apply back to the next level of my business. It's funny. To get like bring venture capital in and create all that. Amazing. I just love also the fact that you are still figuring out how to deal with stress because I, mm. I want to volunteer to be like a bit of a stress coach for you. That's awesome. That's like my favorite thing. Ariana Huffington is my stress coach. I just I'm heard you <laughs> on the Goop podcast talking about this. I guess that my de-stressor is listening to like Goop and podcasts. I always like to look at the starting points for this distressing journey that the three of us are going on. Did you know mm, that? Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, for me, a starting point for the journey is that you both described yourselves as culturally Jewish. The Shabbat is, of course, just an amazing, amazing My, institution that I believe should be brought in for everybody, I whatever agree. religion you are or no mm -hmm. religion. I agree. I've been wanting to get back into Shabbat. Well, we started a section on right. Thrive called Shabbat. Wow. And we have um, a rabbi who edits uh, pieces. Wow. And it's kind of amazing the difference it can make when we take some time away from all our projects and all our preoccupations, connect with something more timeless, uh, eternal, and then return to mm -hmm, everything. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, today has to include a digital detox, which is right. amazing. So I think this is kind of a great starting point. The other point, the little phone beds that I gave you where you can put your little phones to sleep, because I find that it all starts with micro steps, you mm -hmm. know, not big like right. New Year resolutions that you right. break in right. seven days, but little daily steps like charging your phone Outside your bedroom, not mm -hmm. on your nightstand, right. is game changing. Right. Because I don't know about like getting you, an alarm clock. Getting an alarm clock. Um, <sighs> I'll get you one. I have a favorite one from Pottery Bar. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, really? Yeah. What is it? It's just a beautiful kind of uh, old fashioned looking, like vintage looking alarm clock that looks nice on your nightstand. Mm -hmm. And it removes the excuse, oh, I need my phone to wake That's me up. That's why I have it there, but yeah. you just you end up doing other shit. But I yeah. think what happens to everybody I've talked to is that if you have it on your nights and you wake up and you can't go right back to sleep, you tend to get up, pick it up, right, and start right, 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 doing right. like scrolling. Yeah, or yeah. Like even at right decks. when I wake up. Lately, I'm like, why am I immediately in my yes. email? Ugh. That's the second what? micro step. Take a minute. It's just because I'm like there and yeah. I'm like, this is insane. I haven't even brushed my teeth yet. Since Broad City ended, uh, okay, I did a couple projects that were insane to like yeah. go right into. But since those ended yeah, like, <laughs> two what? weeks ago, I want to take weekends and not weekends to catch up. Just take the weekend. I really want to do that. The 
Alarm clock's a great idea. I'm also doing something. I'm getting an office space. Great. So you can de-separate your life. I need to separate because I'm constantly working or stressed about not working. (laughs) And so if I have a space where I'm going and this is work and then home is home. That's I love my... that. And you also <laughs> said on Jimmy Kimmel that you are forced to be more present and enjoy life. So you want to like take that on as a project life? Truly. I'm like, I have no hobbies because my hobby of comedy, of loving comedy became my work. So I'm like, I have no hobbies. I barely <laughs> read. I just want to like- You can knit. Time. You knit. I knit. Oh, but, you knit. Yes, but I always used knitting as stress. a de-stressor <laughs> during the writing. Right. There's Alana would oh. just be like making scarves the whole time we're, we're writing. It helped me not little baby pick scarves my all over the room. Yeah, dog scarves. <laughs> I'm pretty bad dinner, so I just knit scarves for dogs. <laughs> that could be another business. Yep. <laughs> dog scarves. Uh, dog scarves. I'm gonna learn from this dog scarf business, man. It's not profiting, man. <laughs> But you can throw in some molecular biology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you dealing with your phone? Uh, like Abby or differently? Do you sleep with it? Mm-hmm. And then do you? I got an alarm clock, this like Zen clock that chimes a chime. And I was like, this is insane. So I just actually threw it out. I recycled it at the Apple store. And I needed a better, just normal alarm clock. I went too far. And I was you like, went like too like weirdo, sounds, hippie. Yeah. Just like basic just old get school. A, like, best buy alarm clock right. and just make it work. So you know what would be amazing? If you actually wrote something together about how to deal with stress and made it funny rather than preachy and helped uh, millions of people. What do you think about that? Even though we are not dealing yeah, with it, yet. I think we should. Exactly. I think we should commit. Honestly, try to do this alarm clock thing, and then yes. write about that, and then write about that, and be yes. like, "It was life changing." That's what I'm hoping it is. But the point is that precisely because you are, first of all, everybody's a work in progress. I mean, there's nobody, certainly not me, who is doing this journey perfectly and stress free. It's more like all these micro steps that can be really life changing, actually. Right. And exactly, you identified the not rushing to our phone. Yeah. The minute we open our eyes, before we are fully awake, before our feet have touched the Mm -hmm. floor. I always thought it would be great to actually have a comedic approach to all that because we are all struggling with it. We all want to do better and having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And then you said wonderful things about how useful social media was in launching your show. Yeah. But also we now see all the unintended consequences, especially Mm -hmm. for young women. Yeah. It's like a dangerous place. Dangerous place. I also... Comparisons especially. Yeah. I also think it could be a wonderful place because suppressing communication is a tool of oppression. And now oppressed people can communicate all the time, constantly in an instant. So I think that... Personally, I make an argument for Instagram specifically for this political thing that I do, Generator, that's trying to take back Instagram basically for the politically progressive versus Facebook's been hacked by racists and Twitter is like so hateful. It's all hacked by hate. I think Instagram could be positive in that way. I think all of it, I don't think it was ever created to be this tool of hate. But anything that is— valuing all the wrong things in the case of Instagram or 
comparing your low lights with somebody else's highlight reel, all that stuff, which is having such an impact on. But it does have the possibility to be wonderful. Absolutely. And there's so much positivity on all these platforms too. I mean, technology can be used for incredible things and evil things. So tell us about Generator. Yeah. I just had a brainstorm sesh uh, earlier today, so I'm I'm excited to talk about Generator. So Generator, it's a live action series and it's a movement on Instagram. On Instagram, the movement exists as people submitting to camera videos, videos to camera, talking about how policy affects their everyday lives. Your name, where are you right now? Just say one thing you love. And how does a policy affect you? I made a generator video today and I just talked about, you know, of course I can believe it. Of course, it's not surprising Trump's racist jargon about Baltimore. He calls it infested and anywhere that's black or brown is a shithole infested, crime infested, whatever. And it's not coded. It's so racist. And I'm white, but that shit still really makes my stomach hurt. It makes me nervous. It makes me feel unsafe, even though I'm white, but I'm a woman. You just feel the violence bubbling. So that's a fine generator video. It doesn't have to be a policy that's mm-hmm. affecting you today. And ha- I, I did it. It doesn't have to be the scary thing about saying how policy affects you. You think you have to like come up with like a, this policy that was enacted here, but it's just an issue that it you care about. It can be a about. policy, that's, an issue, a public comment, anything yes. that's going on in the political culture right now. It can be. A, I did it. It video, was easy. It can be a video about the avocado tariffs we were talking about the other day. You could just be like, my avocados yeah, are we were discussing expensive. Why did that happen? Like and we shouldn't buy them or... And that's a generator yeah. video. So we're trying to humanize policy and make it more accessible. But you also do these live talks, so which I, are I also awesome. do these live events where I talk to activists and politicians. And I'm interested in investigating how one becomes the other and how I was saying before about artists and how Abby's empowered me to claim that title as an artist. I've learned through my generator. I'm learning like in real time in generator. And our like tagline is like, we don't know. We do not know. We're not claiming to know anything. We don't know. Like come learn with us and learn how to be minimally civically engaged. Just minimal civic engagement. You don't have to become an activist, but I'm learning. It's so interesting. Like two of the projects we've done individually have been this thing of making something more accessible. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something I'm very proud of about Broad City is that we somehow have become very, we are just very relatable. And so I think that's what works so well with Generator is that you are wildly relatable and you're not pretentious about politics. So you are our voice when you're asking those politicians questions because it's scary when you don't know, especially right now where we're supposed to know like everyone. Growing up, I didn't know anybody. More than that. Every part you knew, like the top five guys, top five white men when I was a kid. But you make it very relatable. And I think that that's making it it accessible. I like bite the bullet for the audience because none of us know. And we're all kind of pretending to know. Yeah. And we focus on local elections because that's what's available to us. And we're privileged in New York that our city and our state ends up being kind of an example Mm -hmm. for so much of the country because shit's big in New York, whatever it is. So we've really affected some local elections, helped some people get with so little, you know, so little. I was saying today also at Generator, like 
you know, we have like about a million followers each. A million's not a lot, especially. That's great. But it can be. No, 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 no. Individually, you and I. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, yeah. that's incredible, Anna. And but it's like, I think it would be incredible for the general election too, the presidential election, you know, to be able to get your followers out to vote. Right. Could actually make a huge well, difference. Well, for the midterms, I feel like we've tried our best personally, and you did with Generator. And even November. I'm like, these local elections are so important. Local elections are how the whole Congress is put together, state senates and the senates. DAs, all those elections. So what I love, can't believe we have to wrap it up because I've loved this so much. What I love the way we're ending this conversation is talking about politics from the point of view of something we can do rather than simply expressing outrage, which mm-hmm. is a very natural thing to do. Um, we all have plenty to be outraged about, but you're giving people an outlet to do something and not just to vent. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for that as well as for everything you've done and for your relationship. I mean, it's just wonderful to watch you be with each other and um, support each other, even in a conversation. I know you're both going to do amazing things on your own, but I would love for you to also do more amazing things together. Thank you so much, Abby and Ilana. Thank you so much for having us. What a pleasure. Thank you to our new, very close friend and also stress coach, stress coach. Stress coach. Ariana Huffington. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having us. It's really, really an honor. It is. Thank you for listening today. We hope you heard something that inspires and empowers you. Be sure to follow the Thrive Global podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at thriveglobal.com or reach out on social media using the hashtag ThrivePodcast. Tell us who you'd like to hear from and what your favorite micro steps are. Until next time, be well and thrive. This podcast is a production of Thrive Global and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Ariana Huffington. Thrive Global is produced by Sandy Smolens and mixed by Matt Noble at Audiation Studios in Bronxville, New York. Thank you to Lindsay Benoit O'Connell for booking and wrangling our wonderful guests and for providing editorial oversight. Derek Clement is our engineer. And special thanks to Nikki Itor and Kari Lieberman. See you next week. Audiation.